0: All right, welcome back to the show, and here we go now with the hype and the hoopla for another Vancouver Olympics bid. Really? Could Vancouver host the Olympics again in 2030? Of course, everyone remembers the 2010 Winter Olympic Games in Vancouver and Whistler. What, should we do it again? There's talk about making a bid for the 2030 Games. Brand new report out at City Hall being considered by City Council today, talking about a possible regional bid to host the Olympic Games in 2030. Now, yesterday on the Linda Steele Show, Linda spoke to John Furlong, of course, the former head of the Vancouver Olympic Committee back in 2010, and he's gung-ho on this idea. He says, look, we already got the infrastructure. This won't cost Vancouver anything at all to do it again. Here's what he said. We're suggesting that it can be staged without new money.
1: We have all of the facilities from 2010. Um, you know, So the idea that we put forward a year ago was that we could actually stage the first fully sustainable Olympics ever, that we could actually deliver what we did in 2010 without any investment in, for capital in government. All of the operations of the Games would be covered by the private sector. So back in 2010, the debate was all around cost and risk and so on. But we're not asking those questions. And what we're really saying is, why don't we put the Olympics at the disposal of the community to help the community sort of recover?
0: OK, John Furlong, the former head of the 2010 Vancouver Olympic Games, saying, let's do it again in 2030s won't cost anything we've already got the infrastructure in place basically the games will be free covered by the private sector all right let's talk about it now with my guest Stuart parker very pleased to welcome him back to the show he's the former leader of the bc green party he's now the president of the los altos institute which is a socialist think tank and i'm very pleased to welcome him back Stuart. thanks a lot for coming on it's great to be back, Mike. Okay, Stuart, I remember talking to you about the 2010 Olympics, and you were a big critic of it back then, and I know you're still critical of the idea. Can you, um, you've got an interesting background on this because you had some family members who were actually Olympic athletes, right?
2: Yeah, so my uncle, Harry Jerome, of course, Canadian Olympian three times. My mother, Valerie Jerome, Canadian Olympian in 1960, pulled out of the 68 Olympics. My father narrowly missed qualifying for the 68 Olympics in the decathlon, and then my great-granddad ran way back in the 1912 and 1920 Olympics. So um, I'm from a family that has benefited from the Olympic movement. There's no question about that, that amateur sport helped to um, lift uh, my – ancestors who are descended from slaves out of poverty so i don't i'm not opposed to all olympics everywhere all the time i think that my perspective though is olympics are about um, for my family they solve a problem Mm -hmm. and in many communities people choose to make olympic bids choose to bid on the olympics because they have a specific problem to solve And so examples of that are you've got a sluggish housing market or you lack infrastructure. You don't have enough winter tourism and want to attract more and make the world more aware of you. You lack a global profile in winter sports. And none of those are problems Vancouver has. Vancouver has a very different set of problems that another Olympics is not going to address problems like an overheated housing market problems like um a changing climate that is making business at Whistler, Grouse, Cypress, Seymour all less reliable and less stable so i think that um you know i think it's great when communities get together to solve a problem together But what I never hear from Mr. Furlong or other proponents of a new Olympic bid is what's the thing we're fixing here? What's the thing we're improving here? Sure, it might be possible to do it, Mm -hmm. but you don't do things just because you can.
0: Well, I guess one of the primary arguments in favor of it is that right now we're going through a devastating pandemic. We've taken a real economic hit particularly hard hit, tourism industries, arts and culture, and big events. And these are sectors of our economy that would get a real shot in the arm uh, with another Olympics, uh, another Olympic Games. I mean, that's one of the primary arguments.
2: I think that if we were talking about a 2022 Olympics, I could sort of see that. But we're talking about 2030, and hopefully travel will be opened back up hopefully we'll have functioning vaccines in the population and the fact yeah. that people couldn't come here for two years doesn't mean that they will forget that bc is one of the most beautiful places on earth that they're going to forget this is a place they have opportunities to travel to i don't know about you but one of the things that's happened to me throughout the whole COVID epidemic is friends of mine from other parts of the world saying Wow, this has really realigned my thinking. I am going to come visit you and visit my other friends because we might not be, always be able to visit people in this new post-COVID world. So what I see is all through my interpersonal network, a pent-up demand to come to BC that's already increasing. I think the big problems we're going to have to solve after COVID is the giant hole we've blown in the province's finances and our nation's finances. And I don't have a problem, you know, with that spending, but we're going to be laboring under, we're going to be paying way more in interest on our debt because our debt has ballooned. And the single biggest problem we were left with from the last Olympics was that during Gordon Campbell's premiership, the provincial debt increased by $24 billion. And economists disagree about how much of that was the Olympics, but the lowest. The lowest estimate is that 30% of that debt was Olympic-generated.
0: Well, well, of course, the backers and supporters of the Olympics would argue that the Olympics actually had a balanced budget in 2010 as an operating budget, but of course there was a lot of infrastructure spending that was done off-budget, off-the-books, you know, huge projects like the Convention Center and the Sea to Sky Highway. So you could certainly... And a, and
2: a lot of employee furloughs, right, of government yeah. employees being given time off were still right. paying... Their wages so that they can be volunteers. And that was not, was that counted? Vancouver ain't Edmonton.
0: And was that counted as an Olympic expense? Uh, in many
2: estimates, it is. It, 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 in some estimates, it is. Okay. In the, we balance the budget estimate, it's not.
0: Interesting. Okay, okay let me... Those Let me ask you about this, Stuart. We just played a clip here John Furlong, the former head of the 2010 Winter Olympics, who's gung-ho on doing it again. And you heard the clip that he we just played there in in conversation with Linda Steele, where he made the argument that, look, these games would essentially be free. We don't have to start from scratch. We've got all the existing infrastructure. It's already been built. He said the private sector would get on board. Are you buying that, that we could stage Um, something like this?
2: I mean, we used up our Olympic Village we had an olympic hmm. village we spent a lot of money on it we were told it would more than break even instead we took a bath on it but all that housing's now sold oh, yeah. it's not like we're going to kick out all the people living between Camby and maine uh below great northern way and go okay we need your suite for uh, an athlete again we would
0: yeah have we'd to have to build a new build olympic a village a new
2: yeah. olympic village in yeah. in an overheated housing market
0: okay so, Let me let me ask you that. Do you think there are more pressing priorities? Because this is the the constant argument we hear as well. We got a housing crisis. We got a homeless crisis. We got a drug overdose crisis. I mean, just the list goes on. And we should be focusing on those problems instead of taking on another Olympic Games. Now, let me play this here for you, Stuart. This is John Furlong once again in conversation with Linda, and she asked him that precise question. I mean, don't we got bigger fish to fry here? Here's what he said.
1: Maybe the games of 2030 could be used as a catalyst to get attention on some of these things. For example, we know that social housing is a big issue. Maybe the games of 2010 can inspire uh, big governments to come together and help do something about that. Maybe they can help inspire improvements to some of our transportation. Maybe they can help with some of the issues around drugs and homelessness, etc.
0: Okay, what do you think of that, Stuart?
2: Well, I think we're already pretty inspired. Um, I don't think we're going to get more inspired about the opioid crisis, and I don't think we should be inviting the world here to come and check out our opioid crisis. That stated, that's not my favorite argument against the Games. I don't like arguments that say the government can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Obviously, we can work on sports and other things at the same time, and I've got no problem with that kind of approach. But the reality is that um, British Columbians already know these things are urgent. What we need are resources allocated to them, not more awareness raising. People are far too aware of the fact that we're one of the highest income cities that's still got uh, ongoing tuberculosis problems in a neighborhood or um really high rates of HIV infection in that neighborhood i think um you know we should i think we've already got enough inspiration to address okay. that
0: all right, talking about another Olympic bid for Vancouver. Should we do this and go for it again? 2030 would be the Olympic Games. Should we do a regional bid for the Olympics in BC? My guest is Stuart Parker. Let's go to your phone calls. We've got lots of them. Joel on the line in Kamloops. Hey, Joel. Hi there. How's it going? It's good. Go ahead.
1: Thank you. Uh, I was honestly just thinking that
2: I think it would be a, an unwise decision Now, in the last Olympic Games, I understand that we got a lot of funding from the federal government, and not all of it came out of uh, the city of Vancouver's budget or whatever the case may be in that sense. But I think in the current opioid crisis that is, you know, going down on East Hastings Street in downtown Vancouver right now and all across BC, really, the money should really be kept local and diverted to those necessary services rather than... I mean, I'm all for sports, but rather than, you know spending the money trying to host another olympic games that like you said earlier in the show we took a bath on in the last time it's um well, i think we just need to reassess our priorities well
0: i'm not sure we did take a bath on it i mean Stuart parker for your thoughts i mean we we talked we touched earlier a bit on the sort of the fun with numbers on the, on the budget but if you talk to the olympic officials they'll say this thing actually came in under budget uh what do you think about that
2: well you know i think um you would expect like this is a this is uh, this was a, a center right government that did this. They had a lot of private sector. Started um, by the NDP, enthusiasm. though. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But uh, frankly, uh, sometimes the NDP can run a center right government. Uh, you know my thoughts on that. But the point is that even the business community look at, took a look at this and went, "We took a bath here." Independent analysis by PricewaterhouseCoopers says a minimum of seven billion in debt was created. And I don't think Christ Coopers—they're not the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives or anything. They're they're a, a pretty mainstream capitalist.
0: Well, form. well, hang on. So wasn't that seven what the
2: government said?
0: Well, wasn't that, that, that seven billion? Hang on, Stewart. Wasn't that seven yeah. billion bucks though spent on things like the convention center and the Canada Line and the Cedar Sky Highway?
2: Yeah, some of it. was that debt? it Was giving government employees time off work. Some of it was the Olympic Village. Some of it was all kinds of stuff. But um, you know, if we want to buy those things, we should just buy the transportation infrastructure we need. We shouldn't have to like filter it through um, a process that fills up the pockets of the International Olympic Committee. Okay, okay. Let's, let's keep taking with cash every bid.
0: Let's keep taking calls here. It's Ron on the line in Surrey. Hi, Ron. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Hi. I couldn't agree more with the fellow that you've got on there as your guest. I don't. I don't understand why anybody would want to promote another Olympics when I don't believe we know the true cost. I think there was a more. The moratorium has not been lifted. On
0: okay. 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 You sound like you're talking from the International Space Center there, but. Uh, Well, he made a good point
2: there um, about uh, the fact that this was some place outside the scope of the Auditor General. And so when we say the government said this, we're not talking about the official part of the government that tells us how much things cost. We're talking about a political part of the government that says that we broke even. So the Auditor General has never Evaluated these books and pronounced one way or another whether the government told the truth.
0: Okay, let's go to Greg on the line in North Van. Hey, Greg. Hey. Okay. okay, so we could take this, use this as a great opportunity.
1: If we build the, if we build the Olympic um, villages in
2: strategic places like Richmond, Burnaby, Vancouver, all over the place, uh, we can take the housing at the end of the Olympics and use it
0: for for um
2: the so, social people. housing
0: yeah i hear you great thank you for the call uh Stuart?
2: well that was the pitch that was made last time and of course we know that uh, one of the ways that we had to bail out the olympic village was that so much of the housing that was supposed to turn into social housing after the games had to be sold at a profit to fish us out of uh, our financial yeah. problems but that stated yeah imagine if the government went out and built housing in reach in places that needed it where the market wasn't already superheated i mean you look at a town like valemont where you know the big problem is there's a lack of housing in town if this were you know a jasper valemont olympic bid i might have a different opinion about it but we in the lower mainland you're already building housing as fast as you can The government getting in there is just going to poach building trades professionals who are working in the private sector and move them to the public.
0: All right. Stuart, it was great to have you on the show again. Thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it a lot. My pleasure, Mike. Anytime. Uh A gunman on the loose in a quiet coastal town. By morning, 22 people were dead. I'm Sarah Ritchie. I live in Halifax and I'm a reporter for Global News. On my new podcast, 13 Hours Inside the Nova Scotia Massacre, we'll examine every hour of this tragedy to try and piece together what happened and what could have been done to prevent it. You can listen to 13 Hours Inside the Nova Scotia Massacre for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.